Tonight, the election goes to a penalty shootout. Still no winner. The Aussie assault on Wimbledon is all over. But have they learned anything? No. Laurie Daly makes beards compulsory for the new look blues. Bitten by the dogs, drama surrounds Jack's milestone game against the Cats. And Winter Olympic gold medalist Tora Bright is our special guest. The show where you can expect the unexpected. This is Backpage Live. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think women aren't strong enough, but we just beat the world. Their sex is a dog. I got punched in the back of the head regularly. It was just unfortunate. It was from a coach. Good everybody, uh, hello and uh, good to have you with us for another trawl through the glorious and hilarious world of sports. Uh, lots of both for you tonight with Kelly Underwood alongside Robert Craddock. Hello and welcome to the both of you and on my right, Jules Schiller with James Hooper. Hello. Welcome to you both gentlemen. Alright look, there is so much to get to but uh, let's start at Wimbledon. And look, and I've always loved Bernard Tomic and Nick Kyrgios. Good kids. Grounded. <laughs> Occasionally misunderstood, obviously. Now, sadly, both lost overnight. But Kyrgios was honest and vulnerable with the media <laughs> after what he described as a pathetic loss to Andy Murray. You know, when things get tough, I'm just a little bit soft. Do you think you're applying all you have in your gut and heart to becoming the best pro you can? No. You know, I've, I've previously said that you know, I, don't, I don't love the sport. Um, but, you know, I don't really know what else to do without it. So, you know, I, I obviously like playing the game. Um, it's a massive part of my life. But I don't know, like, to be honest, I woke up this morning and I played computer games. For instance, is that the greatest preparation? I don't know. But it was fun. But it was fun. Little no. boy lost. Well, Come look, on. He might hate tennis, but he certainly doesn't hate being a knob because he's done <laughs> it so well during this tournament. And you think we think back to last week when we were celebrating the joy of Iceland and the joy of a nation, and now we're looking at Nick Kyrgios looking miserable, saying he doesn't want to play tennis. You know what? People get up at 4am to stack shelves at supermarkets. They don't necessarily want to do that and they don't get paid millions of dollars. So stop whinging. So I read it completely the opposite way then to you. Jules, I, I thought it was refreshing me to too. hear oh. him speak oh, like that. Me too. Come on! Me too. I, I saw a very sort of troubled, vulnerable, extremely insecure 21-year-old young man and he needs, he lacks motivation, he lacks focus. He needs direction, he needs authority, he needs a coach. Otherwise, he's going to waste. Talent's got him to this point. He doesn't work hard enough. He doesn't like mm. getting in the gym. He doesn't... You look at the difference between a him and an Andy Murray or yeah, any yeah. other player, it's work ethic. That's, that's so, what they... A uh, couple of the old-timers, we can't mention their names, when he had to go at Pat Cash, they said, oh, that's dangerous territory. Have a go at Cash, whatever you like, but Cash worked like a dog. Yeah. He was the hardest worker on the tour. This kid doesn't. But I thought that was the most revealing day of his career. But what about Australia's reaction? Remember in the old days when Pat Rafter lost to Wimbledon final, I remember Australia grieved for about three days. There was almost a sense of celebration that these two guys are out of the tournament. Didn't you see it as a guy? I think he does Australia a gross disservice every time he goes out on the tennis court. I think the Tennis Australia apologists are a big part of the problem. They've mollycoddled him for too long. He needs a good dose of reality. He's an embarrassment with his antics on the court. He needs to grow up. I know he's only 21 years of age, but sorry. I just think he, he, he makes what? a prize like, goose uh, of himself yeah. time and time again. He, he is. He's surrounded by his family. He's surrounded by sycophants. He needs someone to come in, an outsider, Ivan Lendl to Andy Murray, 
this is how it is. You've got to do it my way or the highway. If he's going to take that next... I mean, unbelievable I just, talent. Yeah, absolutely. And I admire the fact that he never gives 100%. In my, <laughs> in my entire career, I've given 67 68% tops. Don't you love the day. fact that he invites people into his box just to abuse them? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine him having a housewarming. He'd punch you in the face as soon as you go, welcome to... You're right. And he doesn't hide his feelings either when he's on the court. Now, listen to his response when someone in the crowd yells out to Murray. I do. <laughs> and he got a laugh. Yeah, but people have paid money to see that game and he's not... You, you expect... We all talk about how entertaining he has been on the court with a Dr Dre attitude and stuff. Yeah. You expect if you pay money, and that's not cheap to go to a quarter-final at Wimbledon, for him to give... Um, 110%, yeah, well, not 80%. Is, is that entertaining, though, Jules, all those antics and theatrics and disrespect well, that he shows on the college? No, I mean, I see, I see people like Michael Liner, who's one of the most decorated wallabies, who's worn the gold jumper, Tony, and he put something on social media think we, yesterday... I think we can see, yeah. ...which said it was embarrassing. Yeah, he yeah. feels embarrassed every time that he sees this. And, but, and, I'm and, about Andy Murray, and give also, this guy hiding, he is a disgrace. Well, I'm with you, Hoops. I mean, it, it is a disgrace because it's centre court of Wimbledon crash. Yeah. I mean, it's just the second time that he's played there. Yep. Some tennis players out there would just give anything for that experience. Centre court at Wimbledon, it's as good as it gets. Yeah. All right, before you get to that, I just want to play one more thing, because uh, he's come across a bit bratish, as you mentioned, in, in other media conferences like this one. Have a listen. Have you, have you never said a swear word before? Have you, said, have you said a swear word in your life? Well, it's not a bad No, no, word, no. That, can you answer my question? No. So you've never swear? You've never swore in your life? No, it's your job to answer. No, no, but... No, it's not. He actually he actually asked me the question. You, you said what did you I think say? it's his and question, I, mate. I Is it his question? Yeah, but it's his question. It's his question. What? Right. So you didn't swear. You're saying you didn't swear. But no, what did I say to the umpire today? Well, I just said what you said. Okay, so I didn't swear. So how how's that going to affect another player by saying horrendous job? I think you can figure that one out, champ. See. It's <laughs> just like Jesus answering a question with another question. It's just wonderful. Well, Andy Roddick said today, he said, he said, don't worry, I played up myself on court, but when I got into a press conference, I respected the rights, I knew it was coming back to me and I had, had to answer the questions. But I'll tell you one area where he is right, I reckon. There is a select... No-one ever talks about this, but there's a select group of sportsmen who hate their sports, who they're just sort of good at them, Cricketers, any number of Olympic swimmers, some grew to really just resent it. Like, it, it's an amazing thing, but you could pick a, a squat. No-one ever mentioned it. I've never seen anyone mention it in the prime of their career like him. Yeah, but he's saying he hates it after he loses at yeah, Wimbledon. He's been absolutely. embarrassed and he, and he couldn't yeah. handle the sense of occasion. But you're right, Andre Agassi said it in his yeah. book, didn't he? he I think did. Andy Murray's spoken publicly before about, mm. you know, not really loving the sport. Now, both our boys, uh, Kyrgios and Bernard Tomic, have deservedly copped flack, though, for using the term retard or retarded. Now, for Tomic, it was describing hanging around after arriving uh, on court early. And for Nick, uh, he was having a go at his entourage. Uh, and they copped a lot of flack, as you would expect. Uh, uh, Jules, you wrote a, a beautiful piece that, that addresses it from a, a personal point of view. Yeah, uh, my brother Nicholas had an intellectual disability. He died when... We were only 10 months apart. He died when he was 19. And I... You know, so it has more of an effect on me than a lot of people. And I know a lot of people who use the term, I'm waiting there like a retarded or retarded. They don't mean it as a dig against people who are intellectually disabled. But I think, you know, even in Curiosity's excuse, he said some people might get offended. I'd like to take that word out of the PC versus offensive binary purely because the people who get most offended, uh, offended by that are people who have intellectual disabilities and, and they can't express that. Yep. So it's like the verbal equivalent of a bit of a coward punch. It's a punch that, like, you know, they can't come back at you. So I don't think it's a question of being offensive. It's just not a classy word and it's unnecessary. 
Yeah, well said, Jules. Look, I think there's plenty of other adjectives that you could use, certainly to describe. I think the thing is, neither of them think before they speak. They've proven that over and over again. And Jules, for you to write that and, and bear your soul, I would imagine that would have been pretty yeah. tough to do. And I don't want to crank the hate media on those guys because of that comment. I think there's other things they do wrong. But I think just take it out of your vocabulary. Yeah, right. Look, no matter how you look at it, uh, Victor Troitsi uh, was unforgivably offensive in his rant at the chair umpire who made a call to send that to match point. Have a listen. 40, 30. Oh, no! 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 You're so bad! <laughs> You're the worst in the world! You're so bad! It went on for minutes. It was on after the match and the chair umpire was trying to get down. I thought he was going to punch him. Uh, Tattoo is extraordinary. And what do you get? A crummy $13,000 yeah. fine. I mean, fair dinkum. That was a disgrace. At the home of tennis, that's a Class A disgrace. And, it, like, no suspension, no ban. It's incredible, actually, you say that, that with Serena Williams, she was fined that exact same amount, $13,000, for what seemed a much lesser crime. Now, she gets... She, she's obviously cross-kill, hits the racket, as they all do, and then it's this bit here when she uh, decides to give it a, a toss behind her, and there is a cameraman behind. You'll see it here, and there it goes. Look, just slide into his lap. Straight up on eBay. What if it went into his testicles or something? <laughs> <laughs> really she could get disqualified for that, couldn't she? Well, yeah, she absolutely you can. could. You yeah, can? you can, yeah. She went in and told a security guard after her match to go and pick it up. They brought it over to her. She signed it and gave it to her fan. That's how good an athlete she is, Tony. I know you don't like her. But she didn't, the camera person didn't keep it. That would be no. the go. No. <sighs> Rod Laver is still the man, ladies and gentlemen. His calendar year slam in 1969 won't be matched this year after Novak Djokovic's loss to Sam Querrey. Uh, that is quite remarkable. That was not what we saw coming, Kel. No, he had won, uh, I think it was 30 matches on the trot when it came to Grand Slams. He won the last four Grand Slam titles. So a massive, massive boil over. We usually see that in the first opening few days of Wimbledon when it comes to the big guns. But what it does is it opens it right up for um, Andy Murray now, who's just reunited with Ivan Lendl. And, of course, Roger Federer. Can he get that final last fairy tale Hasn't one? dropped a set yet. Looks beautiful, no. as he always does. All right, look, despite what you might think, uh, tennis line umpires are very, very cool units. Uh, look at this dude. He just wants a fist pump as he's, uh, he's walking off changing. Look, just somebody. Oh. Somebody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he me hanging here? Put your brother up. He's not the mate, bloke who made the dud call, was he? <laughs> <laughs> Even his owner brushing him. God. Uh, look, despite protests, State of Origin 3 is still on. Uh, the Blues have decided to go into the game with a slightly different team and a very different attitude crash. Now, you remember Game 1, it was all business uh, suits, ties, even at the big banana there. Uh, looked very, very formal. Now, tracky dacks, yeah. hoodies, Ugg boots, check them out. They are relaxed. The more they lose, the more homeless they look. <laughs> I'd be worried if I was supporting that team because they look too relaxed. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I really mean that. Really? Oh, you really mean that. Before Origin 1, you said they were too starch collar, way too wound up. They looked as though they were ready to combust.
Now they're too relaxed. Well, it's about balance. And I think <laughs> I'd have liked to see him in something sort of semi-formal. You know what I mean? Like, just somewhere in the middle. You know what I mean? Smart casual. <laughs> yeah. But I am worried about your team, Hoops. I Matt Moreland was dropped from the team and I just thought, he's your future, that kid. He's a nice player. I know in Queensland there was a feeling that very happy to see him drop from the team. Oh, yeah, look, certainly he is. No, he is a key element of the future, Tony. And talking to a number of retired New South Wales players, the view is that Laurie Daly and the New South Wales Brains Trust have unfortunately selected the wrong team. Obviously, they've shown tremendous faith in their senior players. Paul Gallen, Robbie Farrett, they haven't got the job done. Greg Bird was dropped. Personally, I would have kept Matt Moylan in the team. I would have most likely put him back to the interchange bench. You had to find a place for Tedesco, but you could have put Jack Bird into the starting side, Tony, yeah. on the on the right centre, and then you could have pushed Josh Dugan to the wing and dropped Blake Ferguson because Blake Ferguson yeah, I agree has not totally. played a good totally. game throughout this series, or I would even argue he hasn't been that strong this uh, season. The, the key, obviously, for Laurie Daly, where he went looking forward, what was the beard, the facial hair? Uh, I saw <laughs> here they are. It was very, very important for him to get as many bearded players as possible on the team. It's just Tim. He's going for the bush ranger look. You're more in danger of getting pash rash during. This. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And what hoops I've sold about 50,000 so far? Is there going to be enough interest in this? There was a yeah, spike was... In, in ticket sales today. I well, allegedly I there was, time, but then when we checked, uh, apparently they've only sold something like 250 tickets crash. Oh, so, dear. look, it is Struggle Street. It is a hard sell. 250 for the whole stadium? Today. All right. <laughs> today. We were told there was a sensational spike and all of a sudden thousands were flooding out the door, but I think you'll find in reality it was 250. All right. Look, a uh, slightly more serious story going around at the moment is Sammy Rajradre. He made it back to Australia from Fiji, straight into the arms of the law, charged with assault. As we know now, he entered a not guilty plea at Parramatta Court uh, today. But I guess Hoops, he's, I think, in August now, he comes back for the first day of his trial. The big yeah. question, talking point, has been whether he, in fact, should have been allowed to play against the Sharks, should he be continued to allow while this plays out in the court system? Oh, look, I tend to take the view, Tony, that everybody is entitled to, to the presumption of innocent yep. until they are proven guilty in yep. a court of law. So if he wants to play and he feels as though he's mentally strong enough and sound enough to play, then and the Parramatta Club decide they want to go down that road, I think it's OK. Yeah, but it wasn't even, like... But just turning up late in the week, you know, the mysterious unaccountability... Like, it's a very unattractive package at the moment, isn't it? I mean, I mean that, that's ordinary fare from, from go to woe, wasn't it? Like, that, they didn't know what was happening for about four days. I mean, gee, rugby league sort of bends its rules for the big guys, doesn't it? Well, it's, I think it probably shows a, a little bit of weakness from the Parramatta Club. Obviously, they're lacking in leadership at the moment. A lot of their board had their accreditation revoked. And it's all on the shoulders of Brad Arthur. And he's got so many fires burning all around him, I feel for him. He's trying to contain them all, Tony. And it's yeah. just a tough one. The semi-stuff... Really came out of left field. Kel, yeah. how do you see it? Oh, I, I think it's a really tough call. It's it's not black and white. It's quite a, a grey area. Personally, I think from a broader perspective, it feels like, you know, the NRL are always preaching. The AFL does the same thing. We're taking it seriously. We educate our players. We're all signed up. We're white ribbon ambassadors. And then when something like this yep. happens, it bobs up in their own backyard. They go silent yep. and it's quiet. I, I would like to hear Todd Greenberg actually show a little bit of leadership. One way or the other, this is why we've decided it, because the silence makes it look like that they're not taking the issue seriously. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. All right, uh, what should have been a regulation win for the Raiders over the last place night's turn? Slightly weird. Down 22-0 uh, at one point, Canberra thought they'd uh, won it with a, a last-minute field goal, which was terrific. 
Uh, only bizarrely then, you get to golden point, they think they're going to go for the golden point, and it becomes a golden try. That is spectacular, isn't it? What an epic tone. They are one of the feel-good stories of this season, the Canberra Raiders. Ricky. They're just finding a way to win. It's great to see their coach, Ricky Stewart, celebrating like he should on the sidelines. And generally, a lot of warmth and fuzziness going on at the moment about the green machine. <laughs> We've given him heaps on this... Oh, actually, I've you given him... Yeah. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I could see the looks. All right, I'm claiming it, I'm owning it. Me. Has been giving him heaps for this show for a lot of years, just saying, Ricky, calm down a bit. You know, like... the lit on the saucepan. He could be coach of the year this year. Good on him. He's done a fabulous job. And they're so good to watch. So, well great, done. They? They yes, great fun. He is great fun to watch. All right, Ben Simmons has put pen to paper with Philadelphia for $11 squillion. Uh, probably more than he could have earned if he'd stuck with rugby league. Although, apparently, it was very good. Please. Yes, this is rugby league. He is a junior. Uh, he's the tall boy in the middle. Uh, Mark Glanville, former Newcastle player, is the coach. And there he is, Hoops. He could have done it. Happy wow. Granville. And I'll tell you what, just while we're on that tone, seeing how they're in red and white, we didn't touch on the Dragons. No, what about St George Illawarra yeah, last night? Last what did you make of it? was a score against... I, I don't want to talk about the St George Illawarra Dragons. They got beaten. I couldn't sleep all night. I'm on no sleep because I was worried about how poor... <laughs> no sleep. We've got the swans in the rundown. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bit of space for that, so that's great. Will uh, rugby league banner makers ever learn? Now, John Sutton celebrated his 250th game. Oh, no. Best way to start is to try to bust through a reinforced oh, plastic. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a rookie area trying to carry the kids. They've got to get the AFL's crepe paper happening. Crepe paper? Come on. But they do it every time, Kill. They never, ever learn. All right, to uh, AFL, and here's a story that none... Uh, it's none of our business, in my opinion, but it's been splashed around the media. Kieran Jack will play his 200th game for the Swans on Friday against Geelong but his parents won't be there after a falling out that has made the front pages and splashed across media. Is it any of our business? Uh, personally, I don't think so. I mean, it's a sad story and no-one likes to see in any family or families divided, so I'm sure Kieran's probably mortified that this has made it into the public arena and I guess, um, Crash, given you're employed by the newspapers, I guess my question to you would be, is it front-page news, do you think, or is it just a... A little bit of voyeurism on, on behalf of, oh. you know, the media, in a sense. Well, one of the things, strange enough, that helped it was the, the election sort of stopped when the voting it was in abeyance for a day. It was the number one story on the website. The only thing I would say, in defence of the media, I've heard any number of people say the media shouldn't have gone near this story. A lot of them had known about it for about a yeah. year yeah. and didn't go near That's it. Right. But when Donna Jack tweets about it, you know, out it comes. Look, she puts it's just... it in the public forum, doesn't she? And the headline, I just felt that has completely destroyed... If you've got a headline like Jack and Jill, to, I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah. your classic... Um, <laughs> I mean, and I guess the fact that she's, you know, attractive and she's, you know, and that's going to get a lot of online hits as well. It's got every element of it. Well, not only that, but I, I think story, if you're going it? to be prepared to put something from a family point of view onto social media, yeah. then it does become open slather, Kel, yeah. because it's out in the public domain. Whether you like it or not, that's public access. Anybody can go and have a look at that. So. All families it's just, it's have sad. stuff. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah, and it is sad that the family isn't going to be together because it's yeah. so much nicer when family obviously is on board like uh, the famous Silvani's celebrating the third generation of that family turning out for Carlton. That was uh, grandson of Sergio, son of Stephen. Jack, he's up and running. There's Dad, uh, a little bit nervous. Kel, he's a very generous player, I've noticed. He takes that. Most people go that and kick your first goal, son. 
gives it off. <laughs> yeah, man, I think this bloke missed the goal. He does. From there. Uh, <laughs> look, there's still romance and tradition left in modern sport, uh, yes. Tony. I, and I, I think you agree with me. When he ran out in the long, long sleeve, oh, the yes, navy no. blue, it yes. took you back to the mid nineties. Watching man. that great man. I, I Correct. Didn't, didn't like the long sleeve. Just you, be your own man. I mean, the long like sleeve it. era has come and gone. Well, what else is he meant to do? Kick a drop kick? Have a cigarette at half time? Where's your sleeve tat? Can we get some scissors and cut your sleeves off right now so we can show those guns to the world? <laughs> and, Tony, he's the first of three boys and they get better as they go along. Oh, that's... Wow. that's he had a... Backhander? It was a... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well played, Jack. All right, there's a bit of pressure on the Swannies now. Uh, Geelong on Friday before Hawthorne after another close loss. This time it's to the Bulldogs who won with the last kick of the game with just seconds on the clock. I know you were calling it, Kel. It was a great win for the Doggies. Well, they did it last year. I'm sure you were sitting in the SCG stands, Tony, yep. when the Bulldogs players described it after as their best win they had ever been involved in. And would you believe they went up to the SCG and history repeated itself? For the Swannies, they mm. have now lost two... Of course, they lost to the Tigers' yep. kick out after the siren. Yep. So two by a goal... Could come back to bite you. They're not... in, in the dying seconds of a game, the Swans look about as comfortable as Clive Palmer on a paleo diet. They just they keep kicking it. They, they, they don't man up. And the, Tony, like, they've lost two in... defensible games. The Richmond on that, there's no way that the Swans should have lost those come games. On, I'm they're... on no sleep. <laughs> no Do you sleep. think they're, t they're not fast enough to win a premiership, the Swans, are they? You agree with that? That's, that's a big Rowan's statement. That's a big call. When they, I did know did you interest. see the way GWS showed them up for pace? I came away that day and thought, they can't win it this year, the Swans. Hawks are on top of the ladder, though, proving that fairy tales don't come true in the AFL, which is great. <laughs> exactly right. The Swans, though, they would have won if there were points for chivalry. Uh, check out Dane Rappi's save of the goal umpire here. Look, he, he runs in and bang and holds her and... This is just oh, a beautiful what moment. Propose. Started a family. <laughs> was there something wrong with his breath? Is that what she was coming kind of like? <laughs> It was terrific. Well done, Dane. All right, things are going better on field for the Bulldogs and off it with Tom Boyd and Zane Cordy suspended for a late night drunken bust up in a Melbourne pub. Now, the club kept the story quiet for some time. A decision coach Luke Beveridge was happy with when he spoke today. You know, we treat our own pretty preciously and, um, you know, if one of my kids played up, I wouldn't go and tell the neighbours. Um, I need to find out what actually happened and we'd keep it in-house. We don't... It's not ideal that, you know, it came out um, a little bit of time after it happened, but we needed to find out what happened. So as far as any internal sanction goes, there's no um, exact time limit on that. It's when the, when the, when the vibe's right, really. It's Luke Dennis Denuto <laughs> beverage, I think, there. What did you make of that, though? The idea that if it's your kids, you don't tell the neighbours. The idea of, try, of keeping that in-house, is that a little bit shady? Yes, I think he's still living in the mid-80s, I think oh, you said yeah. earlier, Crash. I didn't like that at all. I mean, he's done so massive well. Massive risk. Yeah. This day and age, I massive know. risk. I when know. you're an AFL footy club like that, it's so much media focus yep. on your team. And you're never going to be able to keep that under the no, right no. And don't you owe it to... I mean, he's the highest-paid player on their list, OK? He's playing in the VFL. He's still young. He's still developing. He made a blue. He, he's um, highly intelligent. He'll be a good player eventually. But the way they covered that up, don't you owe it to your fans to explain yeah. why he is not paying? If your fans are yeah. rocking up and paying money... 
the come and watch. Yeah, spot on. And I'll tell you, you it highlights cover that up. exactly. And another thing it highlights is it's very rarely talked about, but it's there. It's behind the scenes. Jealousy of players to players on huge money who don't deliver. Yeah. What's yes. his contract? Is it yeah. seven million? For it's six million over seven years. After playing wow. nine games, mm. he got that contract. You don't reckon those blokes who are playing on ball who are in and under rucks who've been at the club for ten years? They'd be. Mm. Yeah. They would have to be. It's human nature, but right. no one ever talks about it, do they? Yeah, right. But it comes out behind the scenes. Comes out very late at night in the Melbourne pub uh, with those two players. <laughs> Does anyone else see the delicious irony in the Bulldogs banner on Saturday, uh, as we see here? We'll win this game and party till late, or at least till all your pubs close at eight. <laughs> if they'd gone out in Sydney, they wouldn't have been in trouble, would they? <laughs> Home yeah. at 8.30. Yeah, like we weren't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> at last, uh, someone is taking notice of your video lessons. Yes. Now, really? Yeah, okay, we great. can have a little look, I think. This is, you, you've done this before. In the background, see, shooting the... Uh, oh, exactly, landscape. Exactly. Landscape. You can't sell footage to TV if you're... Doing it vertically. It's good to see. There you go. The good lesson to young kids. Well done. There you go. That video will go absolute gangbusters. Now, that person's not the only one to take Jules's advice. Uh, check out uh, stunt driver Terry Grant. Now, look, he holds the record for most donuts in 100 seconds. Brilliant record. <laughs> he added, he's added a new trick. See? The mid-donut photo landscape. <laughs> landscape. <laughs> like my Uber driver <laughs> on the way here. Then back into the car. It's brilliant. I love this record. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Uh, everything's tickety-boo. Because when I see that, I get nervous. Always get very worried when I see someone get out of a moving car. Ever since rally driver uh, Peter Solberg did this during a post-race celebration. Look up on the roof. That's uh, all terrific. And I'll just go back this way and whoop, whoop. I got it. And a wave to the crowd. Everything's okay. Beautiful. Thank you very much. No sleep. Coming up, coming up Tora Bright joins us. Kate Campbell's stunning world record, plus all the hits and misses from Euro 2016 as England's conquerors return home as heroes. Chris Coleman's men have freed Welsh football from the shackles of their history. Now this latest setback, which leaves everyone wondering when, if ever, Wales will eventually make it to the finals of the international competition. Love those pictures. So with Iceland gone, the feel-good story at Euro is, of course, now Wales. They roll the highly rated Belgium jewels. Yeah, uh, great story. I haven't seen Wales fight this hard since they're about to be researched by Japanese scientists. I think uh, <laughs> they really, they're, they're, they're really doing well. And Belgium, the number one ranked team in Europe, have underperformed again. They waffled on. 
their ego was bruised, as, uh, as I like to say. <laughs> They've really underperformed. So, big disappointment, but hats off to Wales. Gareth Bale has carried that team through the qualifiers and now they've made the semis. Semi, that will be huge, won't it, against, given for him individually, against... Against Ronaldo's Portugal, so it was a talking Real to... Real Madrid teammates. To Real Madrid yeah. teammates. Gareth Bale is seen as the kind of... Uh, the next superstar of the team, and Ronaldo obviously wants to keep his focus, the focus on him, as he always does, so that's going to be a huge game. I can't leave Iceland alone completely, obviously. Just look at their reception when they got home. This is just brilliant. Still the, the Viking uh, clap. Obviously, in olden times, you were uh, was the carnage of body parts between the hands. But still, <laughs> it's uh, terrific, isn't it? And in, in Iceland, that was at 4 a.m. I think. <laughs> 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 23 hours. <laughs> the lockout laws just don't work. <laughs> uh, France got the job done pretty easy against Iceland, 5-2. Uh, they played their grand final, I think, last week when they beat England. The French celebrated their five goals very, very tastefully. Uh, they played really well, though, Jules, didn't they? Oh, France. Well, they weren't going to suffer the same embarrassment as England did, especially yeah, the kissing the boots. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit amorous, yeah, especially, especially uh, playing at home in their home national stadium in Paris. And Iceland, to be fair, they won the second half. They were down 4-0 at half-time. They came out and only lost 5... Well, they lost 5-2, so 2-1 on the second half. Germany beat Italy in a bizarre, never-ending penalty shootout. Now, everyone's favourite miss, though, came from Simon Zaza. Look at this run-up. Mm. Twinkle toes coming in and stutter straight over the top. There were more lols than goals in that penalty <laughs> shootout. It was, I think there are so many people have missed penalties, they're about to pull people out of the crowd. <laughs> and they probably would have done a better job than some of these players. As you'd expect, though, their social media reaction to that little twinkle toes thing was true. They had a feel that I like those that who compare <laughs> to this little guy. Look, he's just trying to keep his footy. <laughs> <laughs> Which foot is it? Which? No sleep. I'm on no sleep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, just Alright, look, he's not alone in, in struggling with the penalty. And to, to make Zaza feel better, just have a look at these we've put together for him. And this one is from last week's so Popular America. The dad, uh, Anika, oh. just too slow for anybody. This is the poorly timed slip. Uh, that's also not going to work for you. Out to the right and very, very high. This is the change of mind. What the <laughs> <laughs> I like this is just way too subtle. <laughs> and this is just pure gold. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> and down oh, I go. Oh, yeah, Zaza, you've got nothing to worry about. It's been all about the penalty shootout. So at this tournament, Portugal beat uh, Poland. But it was hard to watch for the great one, Ronaldo. Now, he's already he's converted his spot shot. Look where he's watching from behind the other guy. Oh, I can't watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he uh, it. He goes down again. It's a good team man, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. If you had a camera there, he'd face it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The uh, only issue with Germany reaching the semi-finals, uh, and perhaps those you might like to watch this bit, like Ronaldo behind somebody, uh, is the more screen time for the antics of their coach, Hocklim Lowe. Now, uh, we showed oh, you his no. bizarre touch-and-sniff regime a few no. weeks ago. Oh, no. I'm sorry to say, he, he's been at it throughout the tournament, oh. Kel. Uh, oh, hello. Yeah, oh. I know. <laughs> A little scratch and sniff. A little underarm there. Mix oh. Africa, right <laughs> there. <laughs> body like a, oh, an no, amusement no, park. No. Downstairs. No. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Now, this, is very, this is a very subtle one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. He's nearly uh, as famous now because this is this guy. Who I do like. <laughs> you can come out now, Kel. <laughs> this is where Kelly tries to pretend she's not amused. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Can't hold it. I actually showed him those pics. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. All right, Australia's Kate Campbell is the fastest woman on the planet in the 100-metre freestyle, breaking a world record that stood since 2009 and those cheating super seat that year at Supersuits. This is just fantastic, isn't it, Kel? It is. Look, uh, this is one impressive young lady in and out of the pool. She's going to be a key, key leader for the swim team. We know what happened to the Australian swim team at London four years ago. Crash, it was, um, you know, just uh, riddled with all sorts of issues. And John Bertrand has uh, named a leadership group. She's one of the leaders. And they are going to be under enormous pressure when they head to Rio in a month. They are. That was interesting. World records are funny things. Like, everyone said, oh, you get them at the Olympics, won't you? But often, they're too tense there. Yeah. Saturday night in Brisbane, sleepy little Brisbane, and a meeting virtually no one knew was on. She could sleep in her own bed, probably drive there, was loose as a goose, and said, yeah. You know what? I'm going to try and tear this thing to shreds. And, and that's when you do get a world record, you know? Like, she is no guarantee to beat that ever again because of that. Like, did you see how far behind the other girls were in the shot? Like, she was going to win the race, no one knew it was on. She's sitting there like a, like a tiger, as Imran yeah. Khan would say. Yeah. You touched on <laughs> London, Kel. Obviously, we saw James Magnuson, the missile carry all sorts of pressure in, set a world record in the lead-up. How will Kate handle that? Mm. I reckon just knowing her personality, having a little bit to do with her over the years and talking to people that, that know her well. I was talking to John Bertrand not that long ago and he said that she could do any... Swimming's not everything for her. She's got life in perspective. She's firmly grounded and that he, he said she's so impressive she could go on to become the female, another female Prime Minister of this country. Wow. He's well, been we need so one. impressive. <laughs> 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 well, we need There's a job to be in Canberra. Right. <laughs> the other person, of course, I think is five, is Michael Phelps. You like the photograph of, of Michael Phelps uh, we saw today, Kel. I don't know if we can get that. It's I terrific. did. I didn't show you the German coach stuff, but I did send this to you, Tony, because because it caught my eye over uh, ESPN, I think it was. Look at that. That's his hand. It looks like a flipper. He could do the sort of down, down, the Coles ads almost, couldn't yeah, he, with those, yeah. with those So hands. you're saying he's a cheat? No. <laughs> <laughs> because Not at of all. the webbed fingers. Not at all. But he's done something that um, Ian Thorpe and Grant Hackett tried to do and yeah. couldn't do. He was out of the pool for two years and he's back. Amazing. All right. Jason Day uh, says concerns over the Zika <clears throat> virus clinched his decision to miss the Olympics in Rio. I don't think it was Zika, but, gee, his swing was very crook. Uh, in a meltdown on the final day of the Bridgestone Invitational, he was well in contention, just a few holes at the back, and it was uh, all over for him. But what do you make of his decision uh, to say that he's not going to rear a whole string of huge names in the golf fraternity have also said no? Yeah, but as Kel points out, they're all men. I think uh, very few women have pulled out, Kel, haven't they? I think one female golfer, because to the women... This tournament matters. But even Golf Digest, you know, the, 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 the Bible of golf says, you know, this, this Olympics tournament was never going to fit golf. So it, it's... Look, I can understand it. I, I mean... Uh, but he's be got honest. Be well, honest. Why, why use the Zika virus as a... What it, it's, it's a... It's a good point. He's like, got kids. He wants to have more yeah. kids. He thinks it's you know, maybe at risk. Yeah, but look, no women have pulled out. Yeah. So... so we yeah. had a... We had on another note, Tone, what's golf doing at the Olympics yeah. anyway? How do we have mini-golf in the Olympics, like a, for the men? So just a 
fat guy hitting a ball through a windmill as a spinning. <laughs> well, that, but Jules, it's a fair point. We had a briefing for the Olympic security the other day. It was a two-day briefing. And I reckon they spent only 15 minutes on the Zika virus. It's mm. considered a much less threat than things like robberies and stuff like that. Like, mm. they're, they're, I can't call them soft, the golfers, but I tell you what, it's a, it's a shocking result for their, for their push. They should have got golf in four years ago at London, played at Muirfield yeah. or somewhere that are all turned up. But uh, very ordinary look, and I hope they're not there again. It should be the pinnacle, you're right, and it's clearly not or... the pinnacle. Having said that, when tennis was introduced, I think 88 it came in, and they didn't back it then, but the next round, four years later, they did. If you ask Federer, Serena, any of them what their gold medal means, it's, it's yep. right up there. Yeah. All right, look, uh, a few weeks ago, I questioned why Jason Day didn't put any petrol into his first pitch before a Pirates game in baseball. Well, look, I'm glad to say that Aussie cricket captain Steve Smith, he was listening to me, as he always does. Uh, he was given the honour of the first pitch at the Red Sox and... Watch! <laughs> <laughs> he left nothing behind, Jules. A lot of Did pepper on that. Did she catch that? Did that go past No, her? she didn't catch it. It got nowhere near it. Well, that could have started a fist fight knowing <laughs> baseball, throwing us that hard. It was great. Just quickly with some uh, cricket crash, Ricky Ponting wants to ban David Warner's oversized bat from Test cricket. Now, it's not just the... So you can see there, compared with Barry Richards, I think he scored 325 with that one. There's <laughs> David uh, Warner's big kaboom bat. It's that it's also lightweight yeah. as well as being huge. If we brought him on the show, you'd pick him up and you'd think you're picking up a matchstick. Honestly, and the power in him. And, mm. and Ponting's played with a lot of them. He's what you might call a bat scientist. He picks up everyone's bat in the dressing room. Uh, you know, he knows the weight of everything. It's a totally fair point. The game's gone far too far the batsman's way. I mean, half-hit shots go for six, you know. So David Warner won't like that. A lot of batsmen won't like that. But Ponting, he's a mem he, uh, his voice clout, uh, carries a lot of clout around the cricket world and the MCC Cricket Committee. This could actually uh, eventuate into something. It's a significant statement from a, a game statesman. How do they get it over the line, Crash? If they do decide to make the change, how would they bring it in? Oh, well, the MCC suggests rules and it goes from there. It's a slow-moving process. It may take a couple of years... But it's not impossible. There's changes to golf equipment all the time. You know, when they have the squared grooves in golf and said that's out of line. So, yeah, I, I, I like it. He, and the one thing with Ponning, he's dead straight. Yep. It, it, no jaundice at all. All right, look, a, a weather interruption at the cricket in England is usually about rain or, or bad light. But this game had to be suspended because it was too sunny. Uh, have you ever seen that before? Uh, the sunglasses come out and they decide it's too dangerous to play. It's sunny here. We've got to go off. They don't know what to do in England when they see the sun, do they? They, <laughs> they build a Stonehenge, make a crop circle. They just, just go completely nuts. <laughs> what is this thing? <laughs> There's a gap between the grandstands where the sun went down. And, and it fairly was, would have been very difficult to see when they see the camera angle. But... Someone said to him, why hasn't yeah, this problem ever surfaced before? And they said, well, the sun never comes out. That's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Of course, that naturally brings us to our top five most bizarre delays in sport. Uh, now, this is good. Look, arriving with the game ball uh, via parachute after the game has already started, it's never <laughs> ideal. <laughs> never ideal when you come what? on and they've already been playing for half an hour. I was told 3.15. <laughs> 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 Just get off. Get the ball. Number four. Uh, look, I'm not sure why this caused a delay. Uh, plenty of light there. Uh, fans got thrown out. They didn't, didn't have a flare. Uh, this game in Greece obviously was delayed for over an hour. Uh, number three, look, they probably could have done with a few of these. <laughs> the sprinklers, come on. You love it. Take advantage of it, though, when uh, they do. Come on, just wash the face. Yeah, all good. Way you go. Number two. The Tour de France, as you know, has often had its share of bizarre hold-ups. Sheep famously uh, crossing the, the road, slowed down the race 
uh, a couple of times. So too, and I do like this, Railway crossings. Now, it's just when that ding, 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 ding. That's probably a train coming. Ding, 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 ding. My favourite, though, is the San Jose Sharks mascot, Sharky, in the NHL. What great entrance from the roof. Sadly, we're stuck in that spot for 15 minutes. I've been a shark for 12 years. This is the first time it's ever happened. Nick Manning was under him as well. Coming up, a very special guest, Aussie Winter Olympic legend Tora Bright joins us right here in the studio. Yeah, she remains Australia's most successful winter Olympian with gold and silver medals. Welcome, Tora Bright. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Look, I was hoping we were going to be able to relate, but I've got a problem. Uh, you sat down and you told me <laughs> you don't have a television at home. What is your life, really? I mean, what do you do? <laughs> yes, no, no TV, but I think that's going to change after tonight because my husband and I were sitting watching and we're like, it's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice. <laughs> I think TV's on the list yet. It's perfect timing, obviously. As we speak, uh, school holidays around much of Australia, families are piling stuff into the car, they're driving to Perisher or Threadbow. Yeah. Uh, the kids are getting out, they're strapping on boards or skis and they're doing it some for the first time. For you, that was as a two-year-old. What was that like? Oh, my gosh. I, I actually well, don't remember, the, you know, being a two-year-old, but I have seen video and, uh, sorry, pictures of my parents, like, with ropes pulling we kids up the hill and then we're, you know, down and in the backs of their packs. And um, But I don't know. I just remember it being such a beautiful thing to do as a family um, and always outdoors and in the snow. And um, I don't know. I think that's the beautiful thing about the, the snow. It's such a unique experience and experiencing that as a family is, is super, super special. And you've gone on to have some amazing experiences throughout your career. I'm guessing one of the highlights was when you were the flag bearer um, back in Vancouver, just a few days before you won your very first gold medal. Tomorrow morning, Kitty Chiller is going to announce who the flag bearer is for the upcoming Rio Olympics, and we're hearing that uh, it might be Anna Mears. Would you have any tips for that person and maybe give us a little insight into what that experience was like? Oh, my gosh. I, I actually want to say that it was almost one of the more memorable experiences over, you know, my Olympic medals and things like that because it was such an honour to first be offered that. <laughs> but I remember being told that I needed to go into the chef demissions office when I was in Vancouver and I was like, oh, no, what have uh -oh. I done? I'm in trouble. <laughs> and they're like, I would like you to, you know, bear the flag. And I was, I was absolutely honoured. But our uniforms in Vancouver, they were these big boots and I was so scared that I was going to trip over my boots while I was walking with the flag and I got the flag tangled and um, my heart was actually pounding more than it's ever pounded so before. So it's pretty heavy holding that flag? Um, not heavy, it's just there's a lot of material and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not so used to handling things in my hands. <laughs> <laughs>
Victoria, one of the most <laughs> enchanting Winter Olympic stories is the famous Eddie the Eagle, Edwards, yeah. from uh, Great Britain, who admitted he was terrified in the big, thick glasses. <laughs> I often wondered, what do successful Winter Olympians think of his story? Do they think he's a bit of an odd spot or, or find it genuinely touching? I... I find it genuinely touching. Um, I actually watched it on the aeroplane recently and I'm a little bit more emotional on aeroplanes than usual, <laughs> usual. And I was absolutely just crying and laughing. It was such a beautiful story of just... Is that the free drinks or was that...? <laughs> <laughs> it was straight up the story, all right? <laughs> um, it was touching. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just such an amazing story and I think that is the essence of the Olympics is that anyone can go if they set their heart on it. Because he admitted to being terrified. And I can only imagine, like, it is scary, isn't it? Like, what do you, what do you, do you still occasionally get nervous and sort of almost fearful? Yes, definitely. I, um, I look, you know, at every day that I experience fear as a necessary part of kind of gauging whether I'm, <laughs> just need to work through that or whether it's there because I'm about to do something that I'm not either prepared for or there's another side that could cause me injury. So and you have, you have part. obviously had some you know, crashes, some serious, more serious than others. Yes. Uh, concussions and, and so on. Oh, yep, yep, you got some... Uh, how, much does, how much does that rattle you, Tora? Because the thing, from an outside point of view, I watch, watch people snowboard and half-pipe and all that, and I go, wow, some of the stacks are ferocious. How yeah. do you handle that mentally when you've got to come back and get back up there and go down again? You know, sometimes you can just brush it off and you keep going. That's happened to me many of times. I've had shoulders dislocating in the middle of runs and, you know, it's back in place. It's good. You're good, you're good to go. Um, but when I've hit my head um, before, it's it's such a foreign, different feeling that, you know, you, you're not quite there, but, but you are. You know, you get these tests to deem whether you're fit or not to continue and um, hitting the head has been the hardest thing for me, but injury is part of it. So you <laughs> had seven concussions in the last six years. You were telling me earlier, concussions yeah. such a big sort of hot topic in the footy codes in Australia at the moment. To what extent medical, I guess, doctor-wise, have you kind of travelled or looked into how serious this could be for you? Yeah, well, for me, over the years, I've always had a very conservative and proactive approach to healing. Um, so I've always looked into to everything as to how I can have the best chance to come back and what it is and could be affecting. Um, and, you know, it hasn't stopped me from coming back and going forward. Um, this last one has been quite a hard recovery. Um, but, again, I just kept searching and searching and searching for something that could help me. And as soon as I find that one thing, you know, recovery is But it quick. took you to Canada recently? You went and actually saw a concussion specialist in Canada? Yes, who um, explained why I had ongoing symptoms in a way that no one else had. Um, and it's about reducing the pressure of the meninges fluid around the brain and the cerebral spine. And um, my, as, as soon as he did that, it was, it was crazy. My, my dizziness and other symptoms just kind of disappeared. And, you know, I would go into the water thinking, like, yeah, it's great to, you know, be back in Australia or go and swim, but I'd walk out crying because I couldn't handle the movement of the water. <laughs> like, it was such a foreign, foreign experience. All right, so uh, the fun side of things. This, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this Sunday, the uh, Mini Shred, your event in yes. Threadbow. Talk us through that. Yeah, um, I am Threadbow's winter ambassador um, and just am so happy to be partnered with them and they've given me my own little Mini Shred event um, where it's just a grassroots event where we just um, invite all, you know, kids from whatever ages, um, boys, girls, skiers, snowboarders, and we just 
come and, and frolic. Look at this vision. It's so fun. <laughs> well, I remember in, um, in, I was over in Sochi and I saw you win that silver medal and you're right how dangerous it is when you watch it live. But I remember when I was trying to interview you, all the US networks were, like, were lining up to try and interview you as well. And I realised you're kind of pretty... I mean, obviously we know you from Dancing with the Stars, which is one of my favourite shows. <laughs> oh, wow. you, you're, you're pretty big globally, aren't you? I mean, I know you're probably not going to say that, but I was, you know, NBC, <laughs> CBS, you know, like, all were trying to speak to you. Well, I think our um, industry, its mecca is North America and Europe. Um, yeah, that's, you know, outside of the Olympics, that's where our industry is. We've got the X Games, the, you know, our open series, and um, that's, that's where our sport is, snowboarding, so... I just, I don't know if we've got this vision uh, because we're talking, Beijing, I think, is going to be hosting the Games in 2022. Uh, yes. Yeah. We, ha <laughs> we, we have some of uh, the vision because it's looking good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's going to really go well, Tora. Um, You're on a slip and slide. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a fast track. <laughs> <laughs> that is good, good stuff. <laughs> so, so, right. uh, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much and uh, good luck for the, this and beyond. Yes, thank you so much. Get yourself a television media. <laughs> Coming up, <laughs> our champ of the week. Stick around. Welcome back. Look, this is a preemptive apology to all gentlemen uh, about to watch this. Um, it's Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras' inventive way Ouch. to deal with a low blow. Uh, it's oh. just, look, it just tries to dance it off, Jules. Uh, <laughs> Did someone catch a ball in the crowd yeah. <laughs> while holding a baby in a beer? Oh, it's a guy's testicles. <laughs> Thank you. The quality of the pictures, not so great here, but the quality of the buzzer beater is right up there. Now, this is from the Victorian News League. Uh, it's Hackenham oh, over the oh, back and oh. through. Beat Mornington, who I think hadn't been beaten at all this season, and they do it on the buzzer. Quite remarkable. You see it again. It comes through yeah. and whoosh over the top. Great through. How good is that? Time now for our champ of the week. I'm so happy to say it's Greg Chalmers. It's taken him 386 starts, but the Aussie has finally won on the PGA Tour at the Barracuda Championships. Now, he did the job with that great approach shot. Uh, he gets the eagle. This is on the 18th. The approach was about to eight feet there, as you can see. Puts it in. Gets him the last spot at the British Open and a two-year exemption. Well played, you. Well played, all of you. Thank you very much. Goodbye. We will see you next week.